We can come in the door. We can be with him. And it's just a wonderful thing. Uh, Frederick Faber said this thing. It's one of my favorite um, quotes. He said, only to sit and think of God. Oh, what a joy it is to think the thought, to breathe the name. Earth has no higher bliss. Father of Jesus, love's reward. What rapture will it be? Prostrate before thy throne to lie and gaze and gaze on thee. Would you just close your eyes with me? Just look look to Jesus this morning. Lord, we adore you. Jesus, we love you. You, O Lord, are high and lifted up. You, O Lord, are worthy of praise. All glory and honor and power be unto your name, Jesus. You are worthy of it all. How beautiful are you, O Lord. Today, God, we just want to adore you. We want to see you in everything. Lord, turn our hearts today to you. Turn our minds to you, Lord Jesus. May you be lifted high. May you be glorified in this. How wonderful you are, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We welcome you here. Welcome you here. You are welcome. Lord, we come before you not to not to hold you as an honored guest today, but Lord, to recognize you as the host. Lord, you prepare a table before us. And Lord, as you prepare the table before us, and you set a meal before us, and that meal is yourself. The body and the bread, the bread wine, Lord God, that you have given it to us. So Lord, feed us in your word and by your spirit today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I am uh, honored that uh, Pastor James asked me to come here. Amazing thing. Uh, I love Pastor James and Naj. I remember the first time that I met uh, Pastor James. Um, I talked with him. I sat down and talked with him for a while. And, and I came away thinking, wow, I want to be like that guy. <laughs> and, and we had sat there and we talked about prayer. The entire time, I think, we just talked about prayer. And he talked about, you know, his prayer life and things that he was doing and things the Lord was saying. And it's like, wow. <laughs> I mean, you guys are so blessed to have a pastor who prays. And I am just honored that you would you would consider me to come here and, and to speak. Um, I am humbled by the opportunity to be here, to do that. And he asked me today to come and to, to give you a testimony of what the Lord has done in my life. Some of you know uh, what the Lord has done in my life. Some of you don't. Um, I recognize some of you. I know some of you well, and some of you I don't. Um, when I was a kid, we grew up, my wife and I grew up in this church, not this church building, but the church that you were a part of. The Assemblies of God Church here in Enterprise. We grew up in this church. And it holds a special place in my heart. Um, and uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to be able to come and to speak again uh, what the Lord is doing. But um, so today I just want to, to boast in Jesus. I want to boast in Jesus Christ and what he has done. 
my my daughter, my these are, this is my family over here. My wife, Davy, my youngest daughters, Kieran, Katie, and Elijah. Um, <clears throat> my youngest daughter, Kieran, uh, recently got some alpacas. Alpacas are crazy, adorable, um, interesting, fun creatures, and she loves them. Probably more than anything <laughs> else. <laughs> Except for God. She would say, nope, I love Jesus more. But she absolutely adores these alpacas. And they're fun. They're great. And uh, the other, a couple of weeks ago, we were at youth group, and she, she was helping me. Um, my wife was homesick, I think. And so Kieran was helping me do stuff. And uh, she comes up to me and she says, Dad... I don't know why, but I love the alpacas so much, but it's so scary to tell people about them, to, to ask people to come and see them. I want people to come and see my alpacas, but it's so hard to ask them. It's scary to ask them to come and see my alpacas. And I thought, yeah, I, I'm sure it's you know it can be scary, you know, but you love them so much. And then that later that evening, we took uh, one of the kids home from youth group, and and they had this baby horse that they just had, and and we went out to see them. And and Kieran walks up to the lady, the mom, and and she says, "You should come and see my alpacas sometime." And she says, "Yeah, we should, we should." And she gets back in the car and she says, "Dad." That was so hard. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, isn't that the way that we are, though, too, sometimes? Man, I love Jesus so much. Sometimes it can be so hard and so scary to tell people about Jesus. I'm so proud of her that she got up and told people about alpacas. But, man, Lord, help me. Help me to overcome my fear to tell people about Jesus. Because there's nothing I love more than Jesus Christ. So I want to boast in the Lord today. I just want to boast about Jesus. That's what I want to do. Um, Paul said that far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you'll turn with me there, we're going to start here into the Word of God. I believe I'll be starting in verse 7. Paul says in verse 7, I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you, Lord. I understand that the story that I'm going to tell you today is not the worst thing ever. <laughs> I know people go through more difficult things. And I am not here to boast about what I went through. I'm not here to say, oh, woe is me. I'm not here to say life was so hard. I, I was uh, in Spokane um, 
we went to a ministry school in Spokane. And we were doing ministry out in the streets of Spokane. And we were walking in downtown Spokane. And we do what is called nightlife. And we go to downtown. And uh, we leave our church about 11 o'clock at night. And we go down there and on a Saturday night. Friday night? It was Friday night. I think it was a Friday night. We go down there on Friday night. And we just walk through the streets of downtown Spokane. And we stop people. We talk to them about Jesus. We pray for them. We touch them. Um, oftentimes we would uh, talk to uh, prostitutes and bring them flowers and tell them that Jesus has, has something better for them. Um, we would talk to people who are doing drugs on the street. Um, people who are drunk even. And we would be talking to them about Jesus and pray for them. And I remember one time that I was walking uh, with with another, with one of my friends, and we were walking along, and, and uh, this guy comes up to us. We hadn't talked to him yet. And he, he says to us, you're a Christian, aren't you? Really? Uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, yeah, we are. What, you know, can we, can we help you? Can we pray for you? Can we do something? And, and he tells us this story about his, his daughter and how she's been taken away from him. And he's lost this custody of, of his daughter. And, and, um, and he's kind of getting excited and agitated at this point. And, and so we're like, okay, okay. You know, let's calm down here, and, and we want to pray for you. We want to help you. And, and he just keeps getting agitated. And I said this I said the, this phrase, I understand, just to try it. You know, I understand. Let's, you know, and he said, no, you do not understand. No, you don't. You don't understand. And I don't think I'll ever say that to someone ever again unless I really do understand I don't understand the things that you've gone through. I don't. I don't understand the things you're going through. But I do understand what God's heart is. And I understand what the Word of God says. And I, I want to get that out. I want to convey that today, what the Lord is saying. So... I don't like to tell stories, and I'm not a very good storyteller. I don't like talking about myself. But here goes. In, uh, in 2011, um, my wife and I were driving home from Cove, and uh, I reached around on my neck, and there was a lump above my collarbone. I was like, what is that? That's, that's weird. That's strange. And so we decided, well, we better go have it looked at. And so we went in to see the doctor, and the doctor did their biopsy on, on the lymph node. It's a lymph node that was swollen. And uh, they came back, and they said, it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was 2011. How old am I? 24, 25, 24. Um, and Hodgkin's lymphoma. You know, great. You know, what is, I don't know what Hodgkin's lymphoma is. It's a form of cancer. It's a blood cancer. And uh, it affects the lymph nodes in your body. Um, thankfully, the doctor said this is a very treatable cancer. And uh, it has a 97% cure rate. So, great. <laughs> That's good. That's you know, good news. And I remember uh, before they had really talked about us, they said, you know, it looks like it's cancer of some kind before the biopsy came back. And I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, that's a scary word, cancer. And But there was one night that I was sleeping, and the Lord um, gave me a dream. And in this dream, I was uh, laying in a hospital bed, and I was going to die. But there was such a peace that had come over me in that moment. And the Lord had spoken to me. He said, no matter what happens, there is a peace that comes over you. Job, Job said, uh, though he slay me, still I will trust him. 
Though he slay me, still I will trust him. It was interesting in 2011, as going through the treatments, I looked back on it, and, and I remember talking to, um, to uh, Tom Bachman about this, the Youth Alive missionary, and uh, I was saying, you know, the Lord says to be thankful in everything, <laughs> in all situations. Like, how do we be thankful in these things? But I look back upon it, and I see the, the couple of times that I sat in a chemo chair, sitting in a chair getting treatment with someone next to me in, that, in another chair getting treatment and being able to share the gospel with them. A person that I never would have come in contact with otherwise. I think about the things that God did in that. I'm like, wow, okay. God takes the bad and he uses it for good. So for the next eight Seven, eight years. Um, I went along and lived my life. It's great. You know, I'm doing good and healthy. In 2019, I think it's 2019, um, I reached up on the other side. And I had a swollen lymph node above my collarbone. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Doctor said 97% cure rate and here I am with a swollen lymph node and I go into uh, Dr. Bronstein, my oncologist and I say I need to have this checked out he said, yeah you do let's, uh, let's get um, the ENT to come in and take that out and we'll do a biopsy on it and so uh, we scheduled a surgery for that and uh, it was in July, or uh, I think it's July or August, July um, 2019, we went in to have that surgery, and we were, I was laying in the hospital bed, and people had been praying, laying in the hospital bed, and uh, the ENT comes over, and we start talking about the surgery and stuff, he says, okay, I just wanted to mark, I want to draw with a marker the area that I can make incision in, and he goes over there, and he feels on my neck, and he's like, I don't feel anything there. There's nothing there. So I don't want to do this surgery because <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking for here. And so he goes to the oncologist and says, there's nothing there. And the oncologist comes in, and he looks, and he inspects, and he's like, it's, it's gone. And he, he said, cancer does not shrink. It doesn't do this. So it was either something else or you've been healed. So um, I believe that God healed me. Uh, later in 2019, in the winter, um, I started having back pain. And I said, man, Lord, what's going on here? And in the spring, it got worse. Um, and I thought, I remember, I remember I was digging, I do construction, and we're putting a pole barn up, and so I was trying to dig these rocks out of this hole, and um, I felt this pain shoot down my leg, and I fell to the ground. Um, I thought, man, this must be like a sciatica back pain or something like that, and so um, we decided, you know, Davy starts praying um, that God would heal my back pain. And I start going to a chiropractor. Um, I've been going to see a doctor for a while um, about some other issues and for this back pain. And they say, well, we can't do a CT scan or any of that. You have to have, uh, I think it's like six months of um, physical training first. Um, and so <laughs> I'd be doing that, going to a chiropractor, trying to figure out what is going on with this back pain. And uh, my leg is starting to hurt worse and worse, and I'm having a more difficult time walking. <clears throat> and so uh, one day I'm at the chiropractor, and he's feeling around, and he's doing his stuff, and I'm, I'm telling him, I can't hardly walk. And uh, he looks at my leg, and it's swollen, and he says, you need to go to the ER today. And uh, so I went to the 
to see the doctor that day, and uh, they said, you have a blood clot. And um, then they did the CT scan. And uh, upon the CT scan, they looked and they said, the whole right side of your abdomen and your chest is full of cancer. And uh, they, they said the cause of the blood clot was the lymph nodes shoving on, on the blood vessels. And I thought to myself, Lord, why? <laughs> What's going on here? Um, to, to back up, when, when I had my back pain, and Davy, my wife, was praying for it, and she said, Lord, just take away the pain. Just heal the back pain. She heard very clearly from the Lord. Very clearly. I don't know if she's heard anything more clearly from God. She heard him very clearly say no. She heard him very clearly say no. I'm doing something bigger. Do you know how hard it is to hear no <laughs> from God? Yes. Like, yeah, it is like, wait. No, you're doing something bigger. God in his infinite wisdom said, I'm doing something else. We still don't completely know what that thing is. You know, you'll hear the rest of my story here. God doesn't heal me completely. I mean, he does, you know, through, through the doctors, right? He restores me to health. But he doesn't have this supernatural healing. I don't have a testimony that says, yeah, God came in and touched my body and bam, I was healed. I, I went through the process. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But his, he was there with me, walking with me through it. Jerry Bridges wrote this. He said, God in his infinite wisdom knows exactly what adversity we need to grow more and more into the likeness of his son. He not only knows what we need, but when we need it and how best to bring it to pass in our lives. He's the perfect teacher or coach. His discipline is always exactly suited for our needs. He never overtrains us by allowing too much adversity in our lives. I know there's times in our lives where we go, God, this is too much. But it's not. He says, I will never give you too much. Now, does that mean that he will always fix it? No. But he will walk with you through it. And the goal is that we become more and more like his son. More and more like Jesus. Psalm 147. It says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is the light in the legs of the warrior. But the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And Romans 11 says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his paths beyond tracing out. So many things that happen in our world and in our lives that we just don't understand. But God is there. He says, I see the big picture. I see it all. And I am here to walk with you. God will heal you or he will walk with you. But he will always restore you. Whether it is here on this earth or whether it is in heaven. You know, we have, God has sent his son to save us. And he has saved us on the cross. He saved you in your spirit. You are perfect. He will completely restore and redeem your body when you get to heaven. The Bible says that we will have a new body. And it will be perfect. 
And he continues today to sanctify us. And he works on our souls and our hearts. And he's like, I am still saving you. <laughs> Every day I am doing a work in your life. Someone said years ago that a lesser wisdom than the divine would feel impelled to forbid, to circumvent, or to resist the outworking of the hellish plans of this world. And it is a fact that often God's people try to do this themselves or cry unceasingly to the Lord that he may do it. So it is, with, so it is that prayers often seem to lie unanswered, for we are being handled by a wisdom which is perfect. A wisdom which can achieve what it intends by taking hold of things and people which are meant for evil and making them work together for good. God's infinite wisdom then is displayed in bringing good out of evil, beauty out of ashes. It is displayed in turning all the force of evil that rage against his children good for them. But the good that he brings about is often different than the good that we envision. In May of, of 2020, um, was was when they discovered the blood clot and the cancer. And I could not understand it all. But God gave me a scripture, and, and if you'll turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter four, this is this was a scripture that uh, carried me. Through this time. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Read in verse 16 through 18. Paul says this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though we are wasting away outwardly, inwardly. We are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this scripture just held me. It just held me through that time. And I would tell people, it's just a light momentary trouble. <laughs> this can't, these treatments that I'm going through are just a light momentary trouble. I sat in a, in a recliner for a month. I slept in the recliner. I lived in this recliner because I couldn't lay down in bed. Back pain and such was so bad. I could not work, I could not get up, I couldn't hardly walk to the bathroom. I had a walker that I used um, to get places. But it was just a light momentary trouble <coughs> compared to the eternal glory that we will have. And he said, don't fix your eyes on this world. Yeah. We have to live this life. Don't be obsessed with it. Be obsessed with what's coming. And let that drive the life you are living now. Yes. In June, early June, um, so, so my leg had gone down, the swelling had gone down. But it started going back up again. And so we decided, you know what, let's go have this looked at again. And they, they discovered that this blood clot that was in my leg, they had said was from my ankle to my knee, um, it had moved. And it had risen up above my knee to uh, here in my abdomen, where the, the uh, vessels connect, the arteries connect. Um, and then they go into the heart. And they said, we need to fly you out <laughs> and get this taken care of. And so they flew me to OHSU um, where they went to do the surgery. And people were praying. And uh, they said, we need to get in there and we need to clean that blood clot out of your artery. And so they made an incision in the back of my leg. And uh, they stuck tools up through there and they tried to 
grab a hold of it and pull it out. And they went three times, is that right? Three times they went in there, tried to get it out. And eventually they said, this thing is not moving. <laughs> it is solid. It is hard as a rock. We can't even scrape chunks off of it. And I believe that that was God's doing. Because if that thing kept moving, if it broke off, and went into my lungs or went into my heart, that means death. And God said, nope, this thing is solid. It's not going anywhere. And so they sent me back home. <laughs> and um, I'm still on uh, blood clotting medicine. I will be for the rest of my life. Um, and I still have pain in my leg um, where the blood still has to struggle to get past uh, those spots, and possibly from the damage from the surgery. But he saved me. He said, you're not done yet. In the summer, throughout the summer, we, we saw the goodness of God. We just saw the grace of God. We saw the provision of God. I don't know how many of you were praying for me. I'm so thankful for the prayers that you I'm so thankful for the financial support that people gave. We, we received money from people that we, who is this person? They would just send a check in the mail. Uh, people from Seattle, um, people from uh, California, and who are these people? <laughs> but, but God was providing. I could not work. I couldn't hardly move around. My wife had to be there to take care of me. She made. She has a, a soap shop. And she makes um, goat milk soaps, and uh, she she had this website. And all of a sudden, like in a day, she was completely sold out of soaps. And it was amazing. But there was one. I remember one particular time where we looked at our bank account, and there's $24 in there. And we're like, okay, God, you're going to have to do this. And immediately, someone gave, gave help. And it was just amazing. Never once did we need anything during that time. People brought us food. They brought us groceries. They brought us... Uh, and, and this is 2020, right? This is when COVID started. In April and May of 2020, I was dealing with this stuff, and that's when things just happened, and people were not working. And people were having their own troubles financially. And I'm just amazed at, at the, the graciousness of people. The generosity of people. I'm so thankful for our church body and, and for our family and, and for the greater church body uh, for being there. God just showed us so much about his provision during that time. Just he is so good in October. Um, so treatment for a second round of Hodgkin's lymphoma is not like the first round. Um, the first round of Hodgkin's lymphoma, I went in for uh, six rounds of chemo, I believe it was, and then two weeks of radiation treatments. Um, second round of Hodgkin's lymphoma, you do a bone marrow transplant. And um, the doctor at OHSU said there's about a 50% chance that this will work. And like, a, so that's it? <laughs> this is a 50% chance that this will work. Um, and so what they did was in October I went in um, and uh, they took out a sample of my bone marrow. And uh, so they stick this big needle in my, in my back into um, that big bone there. I can't, I, my brain is... Uh, not working, but in that big bone here in, in your hip and um, the pelvic bone. 
and uh, they stick the needle in there into the bone so they get inside and they pull out the marrow and then they test it and make sure it's clean that there's no cancer in it um, and so they do that and then they give me a uh, a pill essentially I guess it was a pill um, and it, that um, as I take this pill, it starts to take stem cells out of your bone marrow and puts it into your blood. And so then you go and you have a, a transfusion of sorts where they take the blood out of your body and they run it through a machine and it takes the stem cells out of your blood and then they put the blood back in your body. Then they take the stem cells and they store them. And uh, so went and did that and then uh, in October, the end of October, we went down to OHSU where they were going to put the stem cells back in after doing a severe um, doses of, radi of uh, chemotherapy. So I had six, six straight days of severe chemotherapy, and they said, this will kill everything in your body completely. It will kill every stem cell in your body. It will kill it all. You will be practically dead <laughs> if, if we allow this to continue. And um, so they killed me, right? And on October 27th, they put the stem cells back in and they said, happy birthday. This is your second birthday. Happy birthday. And I look back on that in, and so I'll get to this in a second. So we, we I had to stay there for um, till about the end of November. We stayed at OHSU. We stayed in the, in the hospital for four weeks. Then we had to stay near the hospital uh, for another three to four weeks. And came home right, I think it's the day before Thanksgiving, we got home. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, I had a CT scan just to check up on things, and it was still clear. Um, praise the Lord. You know, God has got his, he's, he's finishing the work, right? Um, but I want to focus on this, my second birthday. I was given a new chance. I was given a new life. Because, and, and I had to die first, right? They had to kill every bad thing inside of me. And along with the bad things, they killed the good things. But then they put it back in. They, they said, this is the good that I'm putting back inside of you. And you are born again. And I, I thought about John, about John chapter 3 when Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. He says, the only way, the only way that you can have this everlasting life is that you must be born again. You must be born again. You have to die and then you have to be reborn. Jeremiah chapter 30, I read this last, last night and it just spoke to me about this so clearly. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 12 says, Thus says the Lord, Your hurt is incurable. It's incurable. Your wound is grievous. There is none to uphold your cause. No medicine for your wound. No healing for you. All your lovers have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. For I have dealt you the blow of an enemy. The punishment of a merciless foe. Because your guilt is great. Because your sins are are flagrant. Why do you cry out over your hurt? Your pain is incurable. Because your guilt is great. Because your sins are flagrant. I have done these things to you. Therefore all who devour you shall be devoured. And all your foes, every one of them shall go into captivity. And those who plunder you shall be plundered. And all who prey on you I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you. And your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion 
for whom no one cares. And this is the message of the gospel. It's not that we need, we're sick. That's not it. That's not it. The gospel is we're uncurable. Oh, we're uncurable. There's nothing that we can do. There is no medicine that we can take that would make us better, that would make us right with God. Our sins have killed us. We're dead. Nothing, nothing can fix that. But then he says here, he says, but all who devour you will be devoured. He says, all of your foes, every one of them shall go into captivity. He says, those who plunder you shall be plundered, and all who prey on you I will make prey, for I will restore you to health. And your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord. That Jesus himself is our remedy. Jesus himself is our cure. And he is the one who will heal our wounds. I'm just going to finish up here. I don't know how long you guys usually go, so... <laughs> I think you tracked it pretty well. <laughs> Good. Thank you. I, I never do a message without pointing it back to Christ. I never want to. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to turn there in my Bible. You can turn there in your Bible. You may have read this scripture in the last couple of weeks. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. From the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. And he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes I think words lose their power. We say them over and over and over again. Jesus died for me. Sometimes do you do you do you, have you thought about that? Jesus died for me. He 
He was crushed, the NIV says. He was crushed for our iniquities. It pleased God to bruise him, to crush him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. His stripes were healed. Lord, move us. Lord, move us. You died for us. You were pierced for us. You were crushed for us. Revelations chapter 13 and 1 Peter chapter 1 say that before the foundations of the world, it was determined that this would happen. That the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. That there was a lamb without blemish, without spot, and he was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world. And it pleased God to crush him, and he went willingly to die for you and for me. See, God doesn't make a mistake. He didn't create the world, and then we messed up, and he goes, oh, no, what am I going to do? Before he created the world, he said, my son is going to die for them. Wow. (laughs) Before he created the world, he he said, my son's going to die for them. That's amazing. Abraham took his son Isaac up on a mountain to sacrifice. And as they were walking up the mountain, Isaac's burying the wood for the sacrifice. And he he says to his father Abraham, he says, Father, I got the wood. You've got the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And Abraham said this. He said, son, God will provide himself sacrifice. And 2,000 years later, Jesus walked up that very same mountain, carrying the wood, the sacrifice. And he was that provision that God provided for us. We, like Isaac, come to this place carrying the wood, the curse, the sin, carrying our own sacrifice. But know this, that God himself has provided the lamb for the sacrifice. God has provided the lamb of God for the sacrifice. John said, John the Baptist looked up and he said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God has impressed on my heart in the last several weeks. This last year, since January, God has been doing something in my life. He started me on a journey, and I've had a refreshing and a renewal of a relationship with the Holy Spirit as a person. What does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will speak of me. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. Not me, (laughs) Jesus. And in that relationship I've had with the Holy Spirit, God has begun to glorify Jesus in ways that have just been incredible, far more than I had ever experienced. And I am more and more in love with Jesus than I have ever been. But he's been impressing this upon my heart recently. Look to the Lamb. Just look to Jesus. And I spend time every day now adding on to my spiritual disciplines of what I call adoration. Where I just sit down and close my eyes and I look at Jesus. And I love him and I praise him and I worship him. And what an incredible time that has been. To just spend time looking at Jesus. There's no other message. (laughs) There's no other message to be preached but Jesus Christ. 
Paul said, I determined to know nothing about you except Christ and him crucified. Nothing. He tried once. He was in Athens, and he started talking philosophy with, with the people of Athens. And it worked a little bit. There, I think there were six or seven or eight people that came to know the Lord that day. And he goes to Corinth and he says, you know what? Forget philosophy. <laughs> I just want to tell them about Jesus. So he tells them, he says in, in 1 Corinthians, he said, I determined to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. And they estimate that about 25,000 people came to know Jesus in Corinth while Paul was there. This is the message. That's all there is. And we can tell it a hundred different ways. I can tell you that Jesus Christ walked with me through the trials that I went through. But he is the great redeemer. He is the great provider. He is the savior. Yes. I can go through and, and tell you about other things through scripture. You think about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is about Jesus. When Jesus, when the two disciples were walking down the road of Emmaus, Jesus meets with them and he, he, it says that he started at Moses, who wrote Genesis, the beginning, he started at the beginning, and he explained to them everything that had happened as he went through the Old Testament scriptures from Genesis through the prophets. And he showed himself in all of that. He's, he's in all of That's what it's about. The Old Testament is about Jesus. Lord, Jesus, we love you. We adore you. God, you are the great provider. You are a healer. You are a savior. You went on that cross. You carried our burdens. You carried our sin. And you offered your life on that cross for us. You went willingly for us. It pleased God to crush him. It pleased him. Wow, Lord. Thank you for that sacrifice. Lord, help us, Lord Jesus. We need new birth. We need to be reborn in your spirit. So, Lord, today, I pray that you would give us new life. That we would cast off the old. That we would put on the new. Lord, we would be completely, totally committed to you, Jesus. And nothing hinders us, nothing holds us back. It is in you, Lord. And Lord, today we look to the Lamb. We look to the Lamb for our salvation, Jesus. You are where we find our salvation. Jesus, we look to the Lamb today for the provision. You are the provision. You are our great and exceeding reward. And Lord, today, God, we look to you for healing. By his stripes, we've been healed. By his stripes, we've been healed. I want you to do something this thing. Would you just close your eyes? Would you just look to the Lamb this morning? I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the troubles that you face. I don't know the difficulties that you face. I don't know the pain that you're in. But I felt impressed all this week that God wants to heal. So just look this morning to the cross. Look to the lamb that was slain. And even in this moment, would you begin to offer him those things? 
you just begin to offer him the pain. Begin to offer him the, the financial hardships. You begin to offer him the, the troubles that you face, the difficulties that you face. Just begin to lift those things to him. Say, Lord, take it. Lord, take it. Lord, today we pray as we look to you, Jesus. We look to the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain for the foundations of the world. The Lamb of God who hung upon a cross, who was beaten and bruised for us. Lord, you took our pain upon you. So God, today, we pray that you would heal. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and heal, Jesus. Touch bodies. Touch backs. Touch legs. Touch eyes, Lord, today. Lord, those who are who experience headaches, migraines, Lord Jesus, that are just debilitating. Heal it, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bring healing, Lord God. Touch us, Lord Jesus, by your hand. Lord, for those in here who have not chosen you not committed their life to you, not given themselves fully to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just pray today, Lord, that you would forgive us. Today, God, we repent. Today, Lord, we, we say thank you for the cross. Today, we say thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord, we renounce sin, we renounce the world, we renounce the devil, and Lord, we commit ourselves to following you, to walking in your footsteps, to listening to your voice, God. So Lord, lead us, Lord Jesus, out of the old and into the new. We're a new creation, reborn in the spirit. Cure our incurable disease. The battle that we fight with sin. Give us victory, Lord Jesus. Pray. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. Even through all the troubles that we go through, all I can think is that you are so good. That you are sovereign, that you've seen it all, that you know it all. And you walk with us, Lord. Walk with us, Jesus, through troubles. Walk with us. May we feel your presence there as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, that you would prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That you would feed us, that you would care for us. That you would sustain us, Lord Jesus. May God, we give you all the glory. Lord, may you be glorified in all of it. Lord, in everything that we go through, Lord, may you receive glory from it. Lord, may we be more like you. May the cry of our hearts, Jesus, be to know you, nothing else but Jesus. To know Christ and him crucified. To know the power of your resurrection and participating in your sufferings, even unto death, becoming like you in your death. And so attaining the resurrection of life. Lord, these people here, Lord, I just pray a special blessing upon them, Lord, that you would lead them, guide them in your perfect will. Lord, that you, your power and your spirit, Lord God, would live in them, would dwell in them richly. Lord, that your word would dwell in them richly. Lord, that you would give them a boldness to declare the word. Lord, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. So today we declare victory over the enemy.
because we have the blood of the Lamb. Lord, help us to speak out the word of our testimony. And gain that complete victory, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are so great. So wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone want to come up? Or